Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Today on the show, why wait for a year three breakout when everybody's breaking out in year two? That's what's cool these days. We'll talk about DK Metcalf, Marquise Brown, AJ. Oh, yeah, we're gonna talk about AJ Brown. Hey, Ben, we're gonna talk about AJ Brown. It's the AJ Brown show. Hey. <laughs> you didn't seem amused by that. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I'm on the defensive because Ben is going to crush me in Tecmo Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Ben, now you're you're setting expectations yeah. lower. When we first brought this up, you immediately said you'd beat me, and then when I said I ran for a thousand yards with Bo Jackson in one game, you said everybody's done that. <laughs> well, I, we have to play on the on our computers without a controller, and I can't I can't adjust to that. So, you know, you have an advantage. Uh, Jamie and Dave are also here, guys. I don't talk badly about Michael Thomas. That is my advice to you. Just, I'm, I'm I'm reading the exchange right now with Devontae Parker. I almost feel like we should uh, do like a table reading <laughs> and go over like uh, you can be Michael Thomas and I'll be Devontae Parker. I don't. I, it's he really overreacted. I don't want to be Michael Thomas. Like I'm on team Devontae Parker here. Michael All right, Thomas. I'll be Michael Thomas. Here we go. In other words, you weak. They don't even put your name in the same sentence as me. Remember that. I don't have the script, but something like, give me 300 targets a game, Michael right, Thomas. Right, right. That's one of the things Parker said. Yeah. <laughs> he would be the number one receiver if he had 300 targets per game. Well, so it all started. Like it all started with uh, with Devontae Parker answering a poll question. What, what is it? What's harder? What's, what's harder, the... to, to break up a pass while guarding Michael Thomas or to make a catch while guarded by Stephon Gilmore? Jamie, what would you have voted for? Um, I would have voted for catching a pass on Stefan Gilmore. I, Me too. Of course. I Michael Thomas is listening. I, I, I <laughs> abstain from voting. Oh, Michael Thomas was, it, uh, it, it was an unjust murder, but it was a murder. Yeah. He, he killed the Monday party. Everybody would have voted for that. And Michael Thomas was like, what? You, you better not be voting for Stefan Gilmore. Uh, so he went after Devontae. Everything Parker. he made was valid about Devontae Parker though. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's yeah. true. He knows his stuff. <laughs> Adam, what does GTFOH mean? Um, get the get, get the friend on here. On here. I think he's oh. asking for his other friends to come and comment on the on the Instagram post. Uh, get the friend on here. You know when people say that. Well, um, your two wide receivers, I think, are really interesting because we had three three wide receivers last year get nine hundred or more yards as rookies. AJ Brown had one thousand fifty one. Terry McLaurin had 919, and DK Metcalf had 900 on the nose. Um, Debo Samuel had 802. It was a really strong year for rookie wide receivers. And 900 yards for a rookie wide receiver usually is a sign of good things to come. Heath pulled a list of 18 wide receivers who had 19 or 900 or more receiving yards as rookies since 2000, and not including the three from last year. And he gave me uh, the guys who did better in fantasy as sophomores and the guys who did worse. And it was only 10 to 8 in terms of players who did better. 10 did better, 8 did worse. But it's a little deceiving because like two of the guys who did worse as sophomores were Michael Thomas and Mike Evans. And they both were top 12, or Evans was 13th. Uh, they both yeah. were really good, you know? 
Um, some of the guys had down second years, but really bounced back, had great careers like Anquan Bolden and Keenan Allen. And a few of them were flukes. But we'll try to sort through it and find out who's who. But you are talking about an opportunity to get a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, whose numbers look almost exactly like Terry McLaurin's, except Juju did it in 14 games and McLaurin... Oh, no, they both were in 14 games. Pardon me. So, like, nearly identical rookie season numbers. And then Juju Smith-Schuster became a top 10 wide receiver as a sophomore with 1,400 yards and 111 catches. You know, you got an opportunity to get Sammy Watkins, who might be DK Metcalf, big, you know, per catch guy, not maybe not going to catch a ton of passes, but he had 982 yards and six touchdowns as a rookie. He had 1,047 and nine as a second year guy and was 15th in non-PPR, 20th in PPR. So anyway, we'll get into that. Just a few quick news items here. Uh, and... These are courtesy of Ben Gretsch because I didn't really, I didn't really have anything. So Ben sent me an email and he said Brady threw to some guys. The Jets are talking up Chris Herndon and Michael Thomas torched Devontae Parker on Instagram. I think we covered that. But Ben, Brady threw to some guys. Yeah, he met he met up with some guys, I guess, in Northern California and threw to OJ Howard and Mike Evans no, in, Tampa. And, in Tampa. Oh, it was in Tampa. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess I, I I saw it was like Berkeley Prep or something, and I just assumed it was in like Berkeley, but maybe it's just called that in in Tampa. It's, yeah, Tampa Berkeley is one of the better sports programs in the state of Florida. Got it. Um, uh, yeah. So we're seeing more of this. We talked about Ben Roethlisberger on yesterday's show doing it. Um, like it, it seems like we're going to see this all off season now, right? Well, it, it happens a lot. You know, it's, yeah. um, it, it's something that, you know, it's usually done after mini camp or before mini camp, you know, that these guys get together. Matt Ryan would take guys to, uh, in South Florida, he would throw with Julio Jones and, and the Falcons players, um, whenever he could. And so it's, you know, Brady tried to do this, I think a few weeks ago, you know, I don't know if he had teammates with him, but he got kicked out of a park in Tampa. Um, I believe the guys were there that that were there. You know, Mike Evans and O.J. Howard were the two names that that jumped out. Um, I think Cameron Brait was there too. His center was there also. So you know, he uh, he's he's trying. He took I think he took the two backup quarterbacks too. So uh, I'm sure uh, you know anybody that's in the Tampa area that's you know able to will probably go out with him whenever he can. And Jamie, you liked Chris Herndon going into last year. He couldn't stay did. healthy. Yeah. How do you feel about him now? I think he's one of those guys that, you know, you, you put at the end of your bench if you want to take a shot at the second tight end. You know, he's uh, he maybe doesn't have the same upside as, uh, I don't want to say like, you know, Noah Fan or TJ Hawkinson, but I think he's in the conversation with Jay Sternberger and Ian Thomas and, you know, some of these guys that you're going to do as dart throws. Um, you know, uh, for what it's worth, Adam Gase was really high on him when he took the job last year. And it wasn't just the injuries. It was a suspension to start the season, too. He had a four-game suspension, so... They don't have a, a significant receiving core that I don't think he could step in and, and be a playmaker right away. And we saw Ryan Griffin put up some numbers last year, too, before he got hurt. So, you know, there's an opportunity here for, uh, you know, a guy that can 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 help you um, maybe more as a bye week or injury replacement. But if you do invest in a second tight end or certainly tight end premium leagues, he, he should be on radar. That's uh, the point you made about his teammates is the biggest reason I like him more than like Ian Thomas or or Johnny Smith. Um or even Jay Sternberger, who has Devontae Adams, you know, like Herndon's path to a significant target share isn't hard to see. You know, he could do nothing as well, but he could lead their team in targets. And it's another situation of, you know, was it Peyton Manning? Was it Adam Gase? You know, Julius Thomas put up big numbers in Gase's offense. 
Um, again, you know, the, the, we, we talked about this a lot of times with Adam Gase. His one year in Chicago as the offense coordinator, I think it was three tight ends. Their numbers combined were, were pretty successful. It failed in Miami, um, but he didn't have a lot of talent at that position there. So, you know, we'll see. Like I said, Ryan Griffin was not bad last year. I was, I was playing him in, in a couple of leagues, you know, deep leagues where I needed help at tight end. But, um, you know, I, I think the middle of the field is kind of where Adam Gase likes to, you know, have his, you know, targets go. Uh, Landry in Miami, Crowder. So I think Hurden's got a shot. I'd, I'd be buying if I'm in a dynasty league, put it that way. Very cheap, but I'd be buying. I got him in two this offseason as well. Totally yep. agree. How many How many times have you guys drafted Herndon in redraft? I th- I mean, I've, I've taken him in uh, our dynasty startups. I think I took him in both, that Heath, uh, the drafts that Heath's done. Um, but sure. in, in redrafts, I don't take a lot of second tight ends, so it's not something yeah. that I'll do. But I think if you're in a, any, any draft that you go more than 16 rounds, if you're just looking for a talented player late that has a shot, he's on that list. He may be on the bottom of the list, but I think he's on that list. Well, Chris Herndon is back. He played one game last year. Golf is back. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, battling it out on the links this weekend. Listen to the First Cut podcast this week. Kyle Porter and the crew are previewing the match, Champions for Charity. They're picking the best prop bets, breaking down the course, debating the goats, and more. And they're going to have instant reaction pods immediately uh, following the event. Well, they'll have an instant reaction pod immediately, immediately following the event. So that is the First Cut podcast. It's really a great golf podcast. I think you're going to love it if you like golf. And wherever you listen to FFT, you can listen to the first cut. If you want a list of our podcasts and how to subscribe to them, you can go to cbssports.com slash podcast or podcasts, either one. So I think we should mostly focus on six rookie wide receivers from last year. And we can get into guys like Nikhil Harry, J.J. Ortega, Whiteside, Paris Campbell later if you'd like. But uh, A.J. Brown was the number 10 wide receiver in non-PPR, number 21 in PPR. Big difference there. 52 catches, 1,051 yards, eight touchdowns, and uh, he had he he was the number three wide receiver in non PPR and number seven in PPR after Ryan Tannehill started uh, became the starter for ten games. Depot Samuel about thirtieth at the position and had 159 yards rushing with three rushing touchdowns. If you take away the games Kittle didn't play, he he basically didn't do much as a receiver, but showed some promise. Terry McLaurin. Uh, 23rd in non-PPR, 29th in PPR. Like I said, his number is almost identical to Juju Smith-Schuster's rookie year. 919 yards, seven touchdowns on a team that barely threw the ball, uh, especially after Jay Gruden was fired. DK Metcalf, slightly worse than Terry McLaurin. McLaurin had 919 yards. Metcalf had 900. They both had seven touchdowns. They both had 58 catches. Metcalf, though, played 16 games. McLaurin had the same stats in two fewer games. Marquise Brown, weeks one and two. He went off against Miami, 147 yards, two touchdowns. Then he had eight for 86 against the Cardinals. And then after that, he was pretty quiet until the postseason when he had a big game, 126 yards. Uh, Marquise Brown played 14 games. Darius Slayton, listen to how uh, Gretchen, you want to say, I, I like to take uh, pieces from all of the analysts. So I, I've been looking at air yards and A dot and all that. And how is Darius Slayton going to stand out on that team? Well, he goes downfield. He led the team. He led the Giants in ADOT and air yards by a wide margin, and he had 740 yards and eight touchdowns in 14 games. Yeah, big staple in Jason Garrett's offenses back when he was calling plays With almost a, a decade guy. ago. Downfield guys. Yeah, it's good but to know. Terrence Williams. Terrence Williams, Miles Austin. Yeah. Antonio Bryant, I think, had a year. 
was Laurent Robbins that Laurent wasn't while he was calling plays, but, but while he was there, I think. So give me your overall thoughts on this, this theory about your two wide receivers. What is the theory? It, is it something that we should be chasing? The theory is just that if you look at the numbers and depending on where you define breakout threshold, but the number I shared with you guys was <clears throat> if you use 200 fantasy points as um, uh, PPR points as the threshold for a breakout, which is a pretty reasonable number. I think um, I'm not sure exactly how many receivers get to that range. It's something in the, you know, each year it's something in the 20 to 25 receivers per year hit 200 fantasy points type area. Um, the second year is now, and I think this is something that's changed over time, but it's now the, the year that the most players hit that for the first time. You know, there are some that do it in their rookie year, but the breakout year most commonly we're seeing is, is that second season, but it's also a little different based on, um, draft position as well. The, the earlier round picks are going to be, uh, more likely to break out earlier. They're going to get early opportunity. It makes sense. And, and later round picks. Um, if a player hasn't broke out by like his third year, it's actually probably a better sign for a later round pick who's starting to work into a job compared to an earlier round pick who's already got plenty of opportunity and hasn't done it. You know, I don't think there's much reason at this point to chase the, the Corey Davises or the Laquan Treadwells of the world. If they haven't broken out at this point, they're probably not going to be it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to quantify 200 fantasy points, Adam, mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs last year in PPR had 202 fantasy points. He did that 63 catches. 1,130 yards, six touchdowns. Now, so, question. Are you looking at decimal kind of scoring or non-decimal? That's non-decimal. Yeah, I think you probably have to look at decimal because I think you know, everybody's going to have a little bit more in decimal scoring. I look at like fftoday.com. PPR has Odell Beckham with 202.5 fantasy points, and he was wide receiver right. 25. Considerably lower than Diggs, right. Diggs was wide receiver 20 with 218 fantasy points. So, yeah, like 25-ish last year had about 200 fantasy points. Um, Jamie, I'm very interested in this topic because I think your two wide receivers is an opportunity to get somebody who has a bigger breakout than we could have seen coming. Like Michael Gallup and DJ Moore um, seems to happen a decent amount. And uh, Cortland Sutton, I guess, would qualify there as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, considering how good these guys were last year, I'm wondering if, if we could get stars do you think this is uh, a legit theory, something that you'd be chasing? I wouldn't be chasing these guys, per se. I'd be chasing more of the guys that did something less than this with the hope that they become what those guys in their sophomore campaign have become. What do you mean? Who, who are you talking about? I think when you see these guys have rookie success, I'm more concerned about a second-year fall-off more so than I am about them building off that second year because I think we see that more more times than not that some of these guys that pop a little bit in the rookie year, they tend to take a step backwards, and then the third year is when they hit. I don't know. I I would disagree based on this big spreadsheet I spent like three hours working on this morning. I mean, I, I, I just, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been, I've been tracking third-year receivers for, you know, 15 years or so, 10-plus 10, 10 years for sure. And, you know, every guy I talk to, for the most part, like, I can read you the quote that DJ Chark said to me this offseason. Like, this is the year that they believe that they get it. He's, no, but that's, he's exactly what I'm talking about. He came out of nowhere as a second year guy. And that, that's the kind of player I think you want to chase if you're talking about guys in their second year, as opposed to, you know, Brown and McLaurin, which I think they'll be very good, but I don't know how much better they're going to be in their second season in terms of their numbers. Like, I think they're going to take their big statistical leap in year three. Okay. Fair enough. That makes sense. I don't, I don't. I don't think they fall off. This is not a they're going to stink conversation. Or but they yeah, could. Excuse me. I think they're going to have 
leveling off a little bit in year two because and, and it it's Keenan Allen. That, that's yeah, that's, that's Allen. the guy. Great first season, and I remember um, uh, what the hell Mike, Mike McCoy talking to Mike McCoy at the owners meeting, and I said, okay, he was great for you last year. What does he do now? And he said, now he's got to beat the double. Now he's got to beat the attention, the targets on his back, and can he do it? You know, we're hopeful, but this is the next step. He was as honest as any coach I've ever heard say, you know, as opposed to Pete Carroll, for example. Oh, he's going to be great. You know, he's going to do whatever we need him to do, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he, was, he was basically saying, you know, this, this, this is his time. You know, what he did as a rookie was great, but this is his time. And, you know, Chark, what he told me was, he's like, I was lost as a rookie. I'll read you the quote if you want it. But he was lost as a rookie. I, I felt like I could play in my second year, and now there's nothing that's going to surprise me. That, that was the, the thing that stood out. And I've talked to Jerry Rice about this. I've talked to Chad Johnson about this, Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden. And they all say the same thing. Year one is like you're deer in the headlights. Year two is like, okay, now you're playing, but you, you kind of don't really know what you're doing. And then when you get to year three, it's like, I know everything I need to know. Yeah, you know, learn but, stuff. But, I'm, but, but the guys who had 900 yards as rookies, they were really good for the most part. They were awesome. Yeah, no. They, they, and and Keenan Allen is they, the they, exception, not the rule. They could still, they could still be very good. Like, you know, this is a, this is a, did Michael Thomas break out in year one, year two, or year three? Year four. <laughs> I mean, he's been, he was basically the same receiver year after year for the first three years. So that's, yeah, I was just going to chime in and say that. Like I, I had a hard, I was re- referencing a study from a hard breakout cutoff line. Um, Jamie, I think is talking about when you look back at a player's career, when did they really take the step to what they truly were? And for a lot of receivers, you know, we just told you what a, a 200 point season sounds like. Michael Thomas is a great example. That's not really a breakout for Michael Thomas. We saw him really break out. Like Adam, you're saying year four, but really Michael Thomas was, was fine from year one yeah, as far yeah. as being fantasy mm-hmm. relevant. Right. So Tremendous. it's, it's, it's a kind of a moving marker. What Jamie's describing, I think is a little bit more of a moving marker relative to the player. And I think that has a lot of value too. He has a ton of experience looking at this stuff. Um, but it's, it's just looking at it from different ways. Well, Dave, your overall thoughts, and then and then maybe we should go through the 18 wide receivers who had 900 or more yards as rookies before last year and see what we can take away from it. Your overall thoughts on this discussion? Well, when, when A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin had their big years last year, it took teams a little while to adjust to it. And in, in the case of A.J. Brown, he didn't really get going until uh, ben might argue with me on this, but the midpoint of the year, maybe even a little bit later than the midpoint of the year. Ten, and ten then starts for cruising. Tannehill. Yeah, right. seven when Tannehill took over. Okay, so the second half of the season for sure. And now I, I'm not I'm not going to say that teams couldn't adjust to him while he was on the fly and while he was doing his thing, but you're telling me that the defenses in the AFC South aren't doing anything to try and prepare for a, a Titans passing game that didn't add anybody of major significance? They know who the number one receiver is now. So the whole beat the double thing, I think, rings really large for A.J. Brown and for Terry McLaurin. And it doesn't mean that I think that they're going to be bust per se. I, it just means that they've got to learn. They either have to learn to beat the double or someone else has to step up in that offense to take the double away. We don't have to worry about that nearly as much with Metcalf. Uh, theoret- with Debo, we don't have to worry about it either, even if Brandon Ayuk is just so-so as a rookie because George Kittle is there. Marquise Brown, I, I don't know if he's ever going to get double teamed because if you double team him, you're going to get crushed by the run. And Darius Slayton, uh, same thing. A lot of receivers around him in New York. So it's really about how these guys can can layer their game and make it 
make their game better while knowing that the coverage is going to be tighter. They're going to have more of the spotlight on them. And not all of them are going to have that big of a spotlight. Well, I think it's a delicate balance, though, between that who's going to struggle with more attention next year and who's just really, really good. And that 900-yard mark should be an indication that these guys might just be great players. So let you know that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up because let's look at the names. These are the these are the ten guys who had 900 or more yards as rookies and then improved in fantasy the following season. Juju Smith-Schuster, AJ Green, Marcus Colston, Dwayne Bowe, Sammy Watkins, Andre Johnson, Julio Jones, Deshaun Jackson, Amari Cooper, and Odell Beckham. I mean, look at that list. And now DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, and uh, A.J. Brown potentially can join this list of players who improved. Um, we'll see. Here are the guys who did not improve, who got worse in fantasy. Eight of them. Michael Thomas, Mike Evans. I don't think anyone's going to complain about what they did their second seasons, though. They just had extremely lofty expectations to live up to because their rookie seasons were incredible. Um, I was wrong, by the way. I said Mike Evans finished as a top 13 wide receiver as a sophomore. That was as a rookie. He finished 26th in non-PPR, 22nd in PPR, but he had t- he had 1,051 yeah, yards. He had no touchdowns. Oh, no, he had, he, had two, he had 1,200 yards and three touchdowns, so it was a weird year. Um, Calvin Benjamin tore his ACL, so that kind of doesn't count. But he wasn't going to get 145 targets like he did as a rookie. Anquan Bolden just took a step back. He just had a great rookie year. Did not play that well as a sophomore. Missed six games, and he had Larry Fitzgerald. So he struggled. Um, But then he bounced back with like a a huge year in year three. Michael Clayton um, was awful after year one. Keenan Allen was 783 yards and four touches. Pretty damn disappointing. Eddie Royal was kind of a fluke in year one. And Mike Williams of Tampa Bay actually... Led his team in receiving, I think, both as a rookie and as a second-year guy, but his his team got so much worse. His offense got so much worse. That's an uh, example but, of a guy who... Do, do I have it right that he became the number one receiver and got a lot of attention, and he didn't do as well? Yeah, he I just mean, fell off. He never did anything again after his rookie year, right? Um, No. No, not really. Uh, No, he yes, I would say year three, 996 yards, nine touchdowns. Pretty good. But his quarterback was Josh Johnson, or uh, was Josh it? Freeman. Josh Freeman, thank you. And he played much worse in in uh, Williams' second year. But when you look at these eighteen guys, four of three of them are Michael Clayton, Eddie Royal, and Mike Williams. Oh, I'll throw Kevin Benjamin. Four of them are Benjamin Clayton, Royal, and Mike Williams. Fourteen of them are really good. <laughs> so. <laughs> That that's that really strikes me. You know, that's interesting. The, and last thing I want to say, these guys, AJ Brown, McLaurin, Metcalf, they didn't put up huge numbers except for Brown. Like, if you look at all these guys that I just mentioned, McLaurin and Metcalf would be toward the bottom in terms of yards. But also, these guys didn't get a lot of targets. DK Metcalf led all rookie wide receivers with a hundred. Almost every wide receiver 16 of the 18 that I mentioned had 105 or more 15 of the 18 that I mentioned had 115 or more so that was strange I don't know what that was all about Uh, but with all that data 
and this list of names and 14 of these 18 wide receivers being pretty damn good players. What does that mean to you? Does that not mean anything to you when we look at Brown, McLaurin, and Metcalf? But, I mean, you're saying 14 are really good players. doesn't mean that they had great sophomore seasons, though, because, I mean, Most of them, and Allen could be still great third-year guys. Most of them did. Um, like, Bolden's third year is his best year ever. Yes. So, 10 of them, 11 of them... 11 of them, 11 of the 18 had great sophomore years, and one that did not was Mike Evans, who had 1,200 yards but only three touchdowns. And I'm not saying, Jamie, that they can't get better in their third year. I'm I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, like, you know, they could have step backs in their second year and still be great players. Like you're saying, they're great players. You know, like throwing out, you're throwing out Eddie Royal and and the junk that became terrible players. (laughs) The junk, yeah. Yeah, most of them became really good players. Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. Well, I, I just think it's interesting that there have been 18 we're talking about since 2000. So we're talking about this 900 yard receiving yard cutoff is pretty high. Mm-hmm. We're talking about basically one per year since since 2000. There were three last year, and we know it was a really good class. So um, maybe those three are a little bit different. And then, then these other names that are still really interesting names. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm still really intrigued by what Jamie said, and I think he's absolutely right earlier about – Guys who do really well in year one tend to maybe not take another step in year two, but then they really get it in year three. And and his comment about DJ Chark's quote, I mean, I, I think Chark could, could build off what he did in year two and be even better in year three. I think there's still a lot to the year three thing. And I don't think what Jamie was saying is in any way um, in contrast or, or disagreeing with what I was saying earlier, where, where we're using a hard cutoff because, you know, we're talking about when do these guys become who they're really going to be, right? And yeah, last year we had three guys hit 900 yards. That's the, that's the cutoff you're talking about. It, it was a lot more than most years. I, I I wonder if there was any other year since 2000 where three guys did it in the same 2000, year. 2014, and that was Beckham, okay, right. Evans, that was an Watkins, amazing year. and uh, Kelvin Benjamin. How much, though, does does pedigree factor into this? Because the 2014 guys, there there were a lot of those guys were first-round picks. Yeah. And they hit. this Last year's class, Brown was a second-round pick. Metcalf was a third-round pick. McLaurin was a third-round pick. Now, that doesn't mean that they should have been drafted in those ranges, clearly, as we saw in their rookie seasons. But is that who they really are, to, to, to Ben's statement? Um, you know, we, we keep saying A.J. Brown is, uh, you know, T.O.-like, Anquan Bolden-like, you know, uh, more T.O.-like, obviously. But, um, you know, is, is it just a, a, a flash in the pan? You know, or is is Metcalf like Dave alluded to? And McLaurin are they gonna, not not Metcalf? Is McLaurin, you know, or AJ Brown, for example, going to struggle with being the number one guy now that there's a book on them and defenses know how to study them and play them and take some things away? So that that's the fascinating thing about all of this is is where do they go this year and how much do you invest in them? Because I think you know I, I see Adam in your notes. I, you had a question: Who's your favorite year two wide receiver? For me, it's the one I can get the latest of the big guys. You know, Marquise Brown is probably the one that you can end up with that still has a chance to be really good. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's do you do you want to take a chance on A.J. Brown in round three or round four, Metcalf in round four or round five, McLaurin in that same range, or just, okay, maybe not gamble on those type of players and take somebody who's a little bit more proven to a degree. You know, whether it's a T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, um, you know, those type of guys that are going in that same Stefan Diggs, even though he's on the team, but you know, same, same range, but at least you know what they've been able to do in their careers at this point. There's another wrinkle. What if defenses figure out what their quarterbacks can do? Oh, thank you for bringing that up. So 
one of the things that I noticed, the the players who didn't do well, the sophomore wide receivers who struggled, um, now there were common themes. There were three things. One, they didn't play as well. That happens sometimes. Keenan Allen, Anquan Bolden, they didn't play as well. Uh, two, a weapon was added to the offense or a weapon returned from injury. For example, uh, Joey Galloway was, I guess it was probably with Michael Clayton, I think. Uh, yes, Michael Clayton. So Galloway missed six games in Clayton's rookie season. In Clayton's second season, Galloway stayed healthy. Um, there were a couple. There, Mal- Malcolm Floyd. We forget about Malcolm Floyd, but he played only two games in Keenan Allen's rookie season. Then he played a full season in Allen's second season, and Floyd actually led the team in receiving. So I think Gates was hurt too. Okay. Uh, so there's that. Um, there's also the quarterbacks got worse. Whether it was the same guy, like we mentioned in Tampa Bay with Mike Williams, or whether it was like in Denver with Eddie Royal, where they went from Jay Cutler to Kyle Orton. So mm-hmm. I think, Dave, to be honest with you, I looked at it. I don't see that happening, I don't think, with any of these wide receivers. That's a great... None of them are getting added competition except for Debo. Uh, none of them have a guy returning from injury. I don't think any of them are going to be in worse pass off pass offenses. In fact, with McLaurin and with Slayton, it could get a hell of a lot better. In fact, with Baltimore, they might throw for more yards. So... I looked at those three factors. Other than a guy, I can't factor in who's going to play worse. But well, McCor- uh, you know McCor- what? McLaurin's getting McLaurin's getting some company. It may not be elite company, but he's yeah. getting company. He's getting his. He's getting a running back that's the most talented guy on that backfield. Back. He's getting a rookie running back that's going to be a factor in the passing game, and then another receiver who may or may not be a factor, but could take away some targets. I mean, you know, so someone will. Whether it's and, Harmon yeah, or Stephen Sims, Sims emerging late I mean, last year, even yeah, come on, Calvin no. Harmon emerging late last year. I mean, McLaurin. If, if McLaurin's his... good, then he's not going to be bothered by to- totally these agree. guys. No, totally agree. but but again, you know, it's it, it's not just. I wouldn't just necessarily like Tennessee added nothing. That that's that's pretty clear. You know, they didn't do anything to change what their dynamic is in their offense. But you Seattle know what, has, Jamie? That's the team whose quarterback's going to play worse. Tennessee. And and I was just about to ask Ben that because because, because I don't don't ever hear Ben, I think, go back at Heath with the regression and how it impacts A.J. Brown. So I'm curious, Ben, you know, if if Tannehill takes that step backwards, if you agree with that, how much does that hurt A.J. Brown? I think A.J. Brown's going to regress. What I think, um, and it's almost like how much time do you have, but I have a really long um, take on this. But essentially... Since 2014, when um, so, well, since the day I was born, uh, <laughs> since since 2014, Fourth, when years, they so. right after the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, they increased the enforcement of um, so it's not like an arbitrary date, but they they increased the enforcement of illegal contact and, and defensive holding. And I've used this cutoff in a lot of research I've done over the last few years because we started to see both passing efficiency increase and the increase of the shotgun formation and the three wide receiver set. It dates back to that offseason after the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. Um, and since then, there's only been four teams that have thrown for fewer than 450 passes. Interestingly, the Titans in 2018 and the Titans in 2019 are two of those four teams. So are the Ravens in 2019. There was none from 2014 to 2017. We've had a couple. We've had four in the last two years now. Um, but essentially, Heath has made this case that A.J. Brown's not going to get to a certain amount of targets. From week 10 on, when A.J. Brown was playing full snaps, that's when he first got full snaps at week 10, they paced for under 400 pass attempts. The only way you pace for under 400 pass attempts is if you're wildly efficient, is if Derrick Henry is as good as he is, and if you have a receiver like A.J. Brown with the yak that he was putting up, 
then your drives are five plays instead of 10 plays, right? Like you're not throwing as many passes. Fundamentally, if A.J. Brown regresses and if Ryan Tannehill regresses, they will throw more passes. They can't pace for fewer than 400 passes. I don't even know if they'll hit 450. I think that's still a really low number, even though that's where they've been the last couple of years, right in that range. Um, so I think their pass attempts have to rise. And, and then the other side of it that I'm looking at is A.J. Brown had 25% of their targets from week 10 on as well, even though they were pacing under 400 uh, attempts, which is why Heath will say even in that range, he was pacing for under 100 targets. But there's no way they're going to throw 400 attempts. It's just it won't happen in 2020 NFL for a full season. It can happen for a half season when you're wildly efficient like Tennessee was. But the point is the same way that the stats um, – you know, matter and, and efficiency matters. We still have to look at the film and what happens on the field and how these stats are compiled. And the reason that Tennessee threw so few passes is because of that efficiency. It's be that's what happens. That's that's they are interrelated. And so once that efficiency comes down, if you're going to regress it, you have to add pass attempts to what's going to happen in their season. They won't be able to have the same types of that. Uh, they want to be a run team. I'm not denying that, but they will throw more passes. And I think AJ Brown's 25% share of the offense. Uh, from that point on, will carry over. In fact, I think it's more likely to rise than to to decrease. So if you talk about 450 pass attempts, 25%, you're over 110 targets already. I think he has upside over 120 or 130 because I think he could be a 30% target share guy in an offense like this. My connection cut out. Can you repeat that? <laughs> that was really interesting, actually. That was good stuff. Very, yeah. very helpful. Um, I would make the overall point based on everything I've been saying about these this group of players who got these yards. As rookies, if AJ Brown is is as good as the other players on this list, they'll throw the ball to him more. And I mean, because like he just had a, an incredible season. He had almost the, he had basically the same numbers as AJ Green. What happens if Derrick Henry gets hurt? That's the other side of this because I can keep going because that's well, when they five hundred times, man. and that's when AJ Brown becomes their offense. He's their best player by a mile if Derrick Henry gets hurt. They have to run their offense through him at that point. That's mm. the upside. I don't know if they run the offense through A.J. Brown if Derrick Henry gets hurt, but I do think they'll have to be more pass for pass thinking. They can't just say, all right, we're, we're going to pound the rock with Darrington Evans 25 times a game. So yeah. it would it, that would absolutely help A.J. Brown, but it would also help everybody else in that offense. The offense would run through Tannehill, which might have just made you but think I, a little. I think all you right. can— you can disagree with this point for sure, but I think A.J. Brown already showed in 2019 and especially and, – and I've said this before with the young guys. I look back to their college career and he was so much better than Metcalf. This guy is an elite receiver already. And like recognizing that early and the reason I'm so confident in saying that is because there's so much value in recognizing it early. I think even in dynasty leagues, yes, he's really, really expensive, but he's still too cheap. Like well, he's, he's – I think he's an elite receiver already. Uh, and I think he showed that last year. And, and again, in, in college, I think the gap between him, the thing you could argue with, I think the gap between him and all the other pass catchers in this offense is massive. Oh, I think it's for massive. Sure. Yeah. So let's talk about then just the guys who got a thousand yards as rookies since 2000 and where they finished in their second year. A.J. Green finished as a top four receiver. Marcus Colston, top eight. Uh, let's see, a thousand yards for Amari Cooper. Uh, 14th in non-PPR, 16th in PPR. Odell Beckham finished 5th. Uh, Michael Thomas finished 8th. Mike Evans had 1,000 yards as a rookie, and he had 1,200 yards and 3 touchdowns, so he finished just outside the top 20. Kelvin Benjamin had 1,000 yards, tore his ACL. Anquan Bolden had, had almost 1,400 yards, and he struggled uh, as a second-year guy. 
Michael Clayton. <laughs> this list has got worse and worse. Michael Clayton, 1,200 yards. Keenan Allen, 1,046 yards. So there are some serious success stories and some uh, some bad ones is there as well. All of them. All of them had a lot more targets. A lot more targets in their rookie year than A.J. Brown, who had only 84 targets and still had 1,051 uh, yards receiving. All right. Let me ask you those questions that Jamie alluded to about who has the most upside, who has the most downside, who's your favorite, who's your, who's going to have the best ADP, etc. We're going to get to that right after this quick break. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Who is your favorite second-year wide receiver, guys? I wonder who Gretches is. <laughs> I think it might be Terry McLaurin. <laughs> no. Brown across the board? Yeah. It is for me, yeah. Okay. Who will have the best ADP? What is best that in terms of? Lowest? Uh, no, uh, in terms of best value. I like Jamie's Marquise Brown call. I'm coming around to him a lot. He's too cheap. Uh, I was going to say, I, I thought you would go Nikhil Harry because you get him for nothing. Yeah, right. That might be the one. Yeah, it's not bad. I'd like Depot to, I'd like to though, too. focus mostly on just the six that actually did something last year. Um, Brown. All right, put me down for Debo. Debo. Yeah, right. I mean, again, for me, it's the it's the one you get last. So, right. Good I said Brown, but I meant Marquise. <laughs> yeah, Marquise Brown. Okay, who has the most upside? I same, think same answer because it's coming from the lowest position. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Do you mean raw upside or chance to beat ADP upside? Raw upside. All right. Raw so the, the most likely to have fifteen hundred yards and ten touchdowns finishes a top five fantasy. Receiver. AJ Brown. Yeah, I think I think you can make the case for both the Ole Miss guys. I think you can make the case for Brown, and I think you can make the case for DK Metcalf. I think the only way that happens for Metcalf is that Tyler Lockett gets hurt, or they have to change the yeah. offense and throw yeah. a lot, right? Maybe, yeah. It does, it's does hard DK to see, Metcalf... It's hard to see AJ Brown get there though if he's only got 105 targets, something like that. Does no, but I, I think I think his yeah, floor ben, was 110. Don't make me do that again. <laughs> yeah, I think Ben Ben's point is right. You know, if they're they're gonna put the ball in his hands more, Henry injury or not, you know. So, uh, D, does DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett remind you at all of Julio Jones and Roddy White? 
I wonder who we ranked higher going into Julio's second season. I like that comp. Thank you. It's 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 kind of a weird comp because I don't think you know Tyler Lockett doesn't have the size that either of those guys have. But White, White was older too, I think. Right, receivers yeah. who are going to get a lot of volume focused in on them. The question also, I think, is as good as DK Metcalf was in his rookie season, and I still think uh, we should look positively at him. And, and the group, Dave, he has monster upside. He's an amazing athlete, and he was hurt a lot at Ole Miss. But I, I, the question is, is he as good of a player, uh, even as Lockett, but especially when we make a comp with you know Julio Jones? Like I, I He wasn't that productive in college. So no, last year but, was really the first time we saw it, and, right, and it right, was right. good. And so that that's a guy who, okay, he got his first taste in the NFL. Now he kind of knows what he's doing going into his second season. The double teams can't be there. I'd be stunned if they were there. Tyler Lockett's going to have a top five year if they're there. So I, I think that there is room for him to improve. I think, and he's, you know, same quarterback, same offense. I, I'm, I, I can, I'm pretty bullish on DK now that I think about it. Tough matchups, unfortunately. But they said they're going to move him around, which would be very nice. Uh, That's the key. That and, and then the I think moment. so, too. Who has the most downside? McLaurin. Unfortunately, A.J. Brown, because he's going to be drafted first. But McLaurin will be close to him. In round terms of ADP. Mm, yeah. I mean, based on our drafts, you know, A.J. Brown's going in round three, and, and McLaurin's going late round four, sometimes round five. Is A.J. Brown going to be a consistent round three pick? No, in that's PPR? what I'm saying. I think, I think you go round just four, you go round four for A.J. Brown, you go round five or round six for McCorn. See, I don't know if it's going to be that way in, in regular drafts because Brown had the great second half. McLaurin was pretty well – he was he was good for most of the year until he got hurt. He's got some notoriety behind him. I think casual fantasy drafters might not – be quite up to speed on AJ Brown, and they might think, oh, you know, Titans. They over. It's also though you you, you follow team. you follow rank list though too. You know, I mean, if you're talking about just a casual player, they that's follow true. Just the list. That's true, and I don't think many people are going to have McLaurin ranked over Brown. I know we don't. I wonder. Well, maybe if, you're right. If McLaurin had played out two more games, and maybe he gets to 65 catches, a thousand yards, he had seven touchdowns. Maybe it's eight touchdowns. But he gets the most targets. He gets 105, 100, you know, probably 105 targets, something like that. Uh, instead of his, his numbers would like he would have had in that case, if he had 105 targets, he would have had 21 more than AJ Brown. As it is now, he has nine more targets, but he missed two games. I wonder what like I'm very impressed with what Terry McLaurin did. Very impressed, especially since they fired Jay Gruden and became this ground and pound team that just ran, 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 ran. Now they have a new coaching staff. Haskins hopefully shows some improvement. Got a little bit better late in the year, I think. Well, those two guys know each other. That helps. You know I mean? Right, Playing with each other right. in college. That, that certainly helps. Um, and, and, and I, I mean, I'm the one that said it. While they added guys, there, there's no difference maker, at least right now, coming on to that team. You know, Gandy Golden may be great, but he's a fourth-round pick for a reason. Gibson is, you know, going to be in this hybrid role. I don't think he's going to be Christian McCaffrey, no matter what they say. And so, you know, while Steve Sims played really well at the end of the last season, it didn't impact what McLaurin was able to do. Same thing with Harmon. So um, the question becomes is, can he ascend based on, you know, going back to like what Ben said, his, his profile coming out of college was nowhere near what he played like as a rookie. And so 
you know, I, I think that's the encouraging thing on the other side of it is, okay, did he maybe get a little bit stifled by the talent around him at Ohio State and, and not get a chance to flourish a little bit? Um, I, I think he's, to, to me, he's in the right spot. Round four, round five, a guy you take as a number two receiver. He may not get to the ceiling of somebody like A.J. Brown. I also think when people are drafting him, you have biases against certain teams when you talk about casual player. People have a bias against Washington Redskins. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature of how people look at that team. They've been so bad for so long, um, you know, and, and they haven't had this, you know, dynamic receiver that has the chance that that McCorn may have the chance to get to. In and a if few Dwayne, years. I, I agree. This is an offense I've looked at. If Dwayne Haskins has any kind of improvement, I mean, he didn't even get a chance to throw thirty passes in a game. I don't think last year, because like Adam said, once he took over, they were already into that Bill Callahan run, 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 run stuff. But if Dwayne Haskins takes any kind of a step forward and is a good, even even average NFL quarterback, this offense could be reasonable for fantasy not good but not as bad as we think of it they have a lot of running back talent we know that and outside of McLaurin Steven Sims came on late as an interesting slot receiver and then they added Gandy Golden and they also have Kelvin Harmon who was all right I mean they have a lot of young upside players a couple of them emerge into something like Sims kind of did late and obviously McLaurin did the whole year and this offense is at least you know worth looking at right it's gonna be a good defense too I mean, you know, they, they, they have they have some good parts, and Chase Young could make them really, really good. They were already uh, decent. They're secondary, right. though. Yikes! Right. Uh, secondary is bad, but you know, yeah, you, up front you, you only have yeah. pass rush can cover it up. You shave off half a second with that pass rush, it, it makes the secondary look a lot better. So, I don't know if everybody gave an answer for for downside. Um, I, I've got to throw Debo's name in the hat here because so much of his production came in two games without without um, George Kittle. They drafted a wide receiver in round one. Like I mentioned, one of the things that made some of those bust wide receivers in their second year be bad was increased competition, and Debo gets that. Uh, they're they're a run-heavy offense, and I don't know how much you can rely on. I think he had three rushing touchdowns last year, and I think he led all wide receivers in rushing yards. That might not you know, hold up. So I see a lot of downside for him. And just, I think for me, it's either McLaurin or potentially Slayton, depending on you know how how much you're controlling for draft cost. Obviously, Slayton's a lot cheaper, but mm-hmm. he could get boxed out. I think. I think a big reason he got so many targets, as we've talked about, is none of the other guys ever played at the same time in any game, right? But who Slayton? Um, yeah, um, that's none not of Barkley, exactly. Ingram. Oh, what's that? That's probably true with with Ingram. And I think it was only like yeah. one time they had everybody healthy. Yeah. I, and that I was do have. I think Slayton was doing much. I do have some numbers if you want to compare stats for all the Giants wide receivers with Daniel Jones. Uh, with they, there were three games where Daniel Jones and all three wide receivers played, and Slayton but not had with the, Ingram though. Ingram played in one of those games. Uh, Slayton had the worst numbers, but you know he's a rookie. I I get the sense that Golden Tate isn't really that good anymore. He's like thirty one. Um, and his numbers were deceiving, though. He actually wasn't that bad. He wasn't that bad. I, I wonder if you take away that kind of fluky 70-ish yard touchdown catch against the Patriots, what his numbers look like. Uh, but look, he's a, like Daniel Jones is a much better fit for Slayton than Eli Manning, obviously. And Slayton's a better fit for Jones mm-hmm. than I think Shepard and Tate are. So, And then you got the Jason Garrett thing that they brought up. So we'll say let's do some player debates. A.J. Brown or Odell Beckham? Brown. Brown. Uh, and, okay, I'm not going to ask. But, so, Terry McLaurin or T.Y. Hilton? I still have McLaurin over Hilton in my rankings. 
Uh, McLaurin. I have Hilton higher. DK Metcalf or Tyler Boyd? DK. I have Boyd higher. Ooh. I take a lot of a lot of the young receivers in our drafts, but yeah, you've named a couple of veterans that I'm a you know a little bit higher on than those guys. Debo Samuel or Marvin Jones? Debo Marvin. by a lot. Jones for me. I have Debo by yeah. 19 spots in my wide receiver ranking. Wow. But you love Stafford. I do. And I, I don't think Marvin Jones is a bad pick. It's just a it's a it's a fundamental um chasing upside concept right like i don't think marvin jones really has massive upside i think he's a boring player who's going to be fine but i want to take a, a second year receiver that maybe could be a star twice a year marvin jones goes crazy and then the rest of the games he's milk toast darius slayton or christian kirk i have kirk i'm not the Kirk's- biggest kirk fan in the world and i've got kirk Kirk is a really good third-year wide receiver breakout, I think. He's still super young. He's actually younger than McLaurin and Debo Samuel, who are both rookies last year. I think he could really benefit from DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona in a way that people don't really realize yet. Finally, uh, well, Jamie, you want to go there, Slayton or Kirk? I don't know if I heard you. I say Kirk. Okay. Uh, Marquise Brown or Jamison Crowder? Brown. Brown. Crowder. I'm talking about milk toast. Davis and Crowder. He's totally different in PPR, though. Yeah. Just because he's got the potential to have, you know, a bunch of six and seven catch games. Okay. Well, I hope this was a helpful discussion. An interesting concept, interesting topic. And uh, if you have any questions, any follow-ups, send them to fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. In the meantime, let's read some Apple Podcast questions. Appreciate all the reviews, people. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Leave us a five-star review and a nice comment and ask your question, and we'll read it on the show. From R. Cody D. In theory, if picking at the one-two turn, should you always take your top two guys, or should position be a factor? If I like Julio Hopkins, Henry, and Eckler in that order and I take both wide receivers, I could imagine being stuck with Gurley, Fournette, David Johnson types at the 3-4 turn, while really good wide receivers like Cup, Thielen, and Lockett could still be had. What do you say, guys? This is, this is a good exercise to go through if you know you're picking toward or at the 1-2 turn, is to think about, all right, here are the running backs that are going to be left when I'm up in late round 3 and early round 4. How comfortable am I with those players, maybe two of them, being in my starting lineup? And if if you're not comfortable at all, then take at least one with one of your first two picks. You, uh, yeah, I think position should be a huge factor always. Um, I, I, I wrote a couple years ago, a while back when I was just kind of starting out, but I wrote an article about drafting from the very end of the draft backwards to the front where you, you know, what are the positions that you feel really good about your round 12, round 13, round 14 targets this year? And and considering where you think you can get depth and then trying to work your way back a little bit. Because, yeah, you have to absolutely consider how you can fill out your roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Justin in Jersey, I'm attempting to trade Austin Hooper. Was that, was that a, was that a hmm, like dismissing Ben or that was like hmm, the interesting Ben? <laughs> no, no, it was interesting. It, it was hard to read. <laughs> I think no, that I was him was... transitioning to the next question. Yeah, yeah. That was his segue. Just moving on. It was hmm. <laughs> I, I think you missed the you missed the uh, like a mm in there. It was an mm-hmm. No, I didn't. I, did anybody check else? Check the tape. I, I don't think the listeners missed it either. 
uh, from Justin in Jersey. <laughs> I'm attempting to trade Austin Hooper for a wide receiver or a running back as I have Higby and Hayden Hurst. He's got too many H tight ends. Higby, Hurst, and Hooper. Who should he target for Austin Hooper? I assume this is Dynasty. I mean, I'd target Christian McCaffrey if you target over I would too. I like that deal. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I think uh, after our discussion today, we should say like, Marquise Brown. Brown. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's going to do that, but would no, everybody? I think, that, I think the Brown owner would, would probably do that if they're not smart. Wait. Who would you rather have in Dynasty, Marquise Brown or Austin Hooper? Marquise Brown. Brown. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't think the Brown. I don't think the, the Marquise Brown owner would do that. Mar- he wouldn't do that, right. right? What if you're throwing in a pick, Hooper and a two for Marquise Brown? You might be overpaying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would add a two probably. This is from Wake Up Twenty Three. We're going to add a single defensive player to our rosters this year. Should we add a linebacker, defensive back, or safety? Why do you have to? pick one of them why can't you just have defensive player can be any position it's going to end up being a linebacker if you're only adding one player though those guys get the most stats okay thank you talk to you on friday we got another show coming up regression to the mean what does it mean we'll tell you about it we'll talk about uh, you're mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, thanks so much for tuning in everybody we appreciate it Ben, ben goes on this nice answer about how the story he wrote, he was all proud of it. When he started out, he was, <laughs> ben, what are you doing right now for like <laughs> the next 10 minutes? Beating you in Tecmo Super Bowl. Yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> I want to see how I stack up here. <laughs> uh, I got to I gotta go through some training to get out to Ben <laughs> Bretch's level. <laughs> all right. This is, we're gumble the gumble here on Fantasy <laughs> Football Today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll talk to you <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> 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 <laughs>